Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to another episode of Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast, the only wrestling podcast on the planet. If you've never listened to this before and you hear me uh, put on that weird voice, you're going to think I'm well strange. Uh, but yes, it's Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you did miss last week's episode, we do now drop every Saturday. So, uh, you know, make sure every Saturday you wake up and, and slam on. It depends how you listen to podcasts. That's the way I listen to podcasts. I wake up in the morning as I'm making my coffee and doing whatever I do, downing all my water. I just like to find a random podcast. So I'm hoping there's a gap in your schedule on Saturdays and you're right to listen to this. To listen to this then. Uh, I'll also go up on YouTube uh, the same day. Uh, you know, so if you want to, if you like listening to your, your podcast on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com forward slash C for the Miller Report rules or just search for the Miller Report and find the channel on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. All of this, as we always say, is supported by Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. If you donate 20 bucks, you can come on the podcast. We'll have a little chat. You can either answer the, the big questions or you can just join in and just have a chat about everything wrestling. It's going to be a bit of a different episode this week. Also, I'm on Twitter at Simon316 if you want to come yell at me about stuff, which some people, some people do feel inclined to do. And, of course, review, rate, iTunes, five stars, tell your friend, tell two friends. And join the Facebook group. I should start with that. Join the Facebook group. Search for Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Make sure before No Mercy begins, you get involved with Mitch's uh, Pro Wrestling Fantasy League. We're going to get to prize. Whoever won season one, I don't think you've got in touch with me yet, so please do drop me a line so I can get your prize out to you. But yeah, this week's going to be a little bit different. We are going to touch on what happened on Raw or SmackDown, but to be honest, because No Mercy is so far away, there's not that much to say. I thought both shows were okay. There were highs, there were lows, there were up, there were downs. But the big thing that came out was the Roman Reigns-John Cena segment, so I thought we'd focus on that for a little bit because it does seem to have divided... It depends. I mean, I'm not sure it had divided opinion. When I first woke up and saw all the buzz, to me it sounded like a lot of people like this. A lot of people saying it's a lot like CM Punk's 2011 promo. Don't think it was good as that, but it certainly had the same vibe. But throughout the day and throughout the week, that seemed to switch or, or at least evolve or change over to people think this was John Cena burying, uh, burying Roman Reigns, which I, I can see to a certain extent. I would go more on the vein that John Cena is just more experienced at this stage of his career, better on the microphone than Roman Reigns. That is one of Roman Reigns' weak points, as opposed to him being buried. Because I would presume before they... Let's do the setup first. So the setup was, because I know a lot of people amazingly do listen to this and they don't watch wrestling, which I love. It's the best thing I hear all the time. The setup was that we're building to a match at No Mercy of all things, the new WrestleMania. <laughs> if you didn't know, No Mercy 2017 is, is WrestleMania 34. Um, the setup is that uh, John Cena's come to Raw to fight Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is like, go away, John Cena. Nobody, nobody wants you here. So they get in the ring. Uh, they get classic contract signing, and what starts off as a, a standard promo soon changes into essentially what a smart wrestling fan would want to say to Roman Reigns, which is a bit, which is a bit surprising, really. So John Cena runs down the fact that he's a John Cena knockoff. Uh, he's shoved down the fan's throat. You know, nobody likes him. He's, you know... He's a corporate stooge. All this kind of stuff that is uh, is fodder for internet forums and Reddit, especially the world over. 
the interesting thing with I think well, the interesting thing was it was the vitriol and the aggression and the and the realism that John Cena had in his voice as he was talking about it. So while it was all scripted and planned beforehand, if you could buy into it enough, there's every chance you could believe that what you were seeing was legit. And that's always the best wrestling angles. Now, Roman did fire back with his own stuff. You know, he called John Cena a part-timer. You know, he said that John Cena isn't as big a deal as he thinks he is. And, you know, laid into him for certain stuff. And then you know, I think the, I would say the biggest criticism from the entire... On the criticism is the wrong word. The biggest uh, hit from what everybody said is when John Cena said to Roman Reigns, you know, I do this job part-time better than you do it full-time. And, you know, that's the reason I'm still here is because you basically haven't been able to do your job properly, which has been the thing, right? Roman Reigns is meant to be the guy and yet up to this point, he's not moving the needle uh, and, and, and increasing the cash as WWE and as us fans would want him to. The big problem came is that when Roman Reigns stumbled over one of his words or one of his lines or whatever, which I didn't actually necessarily massively pick up from when I first watched it, and maybe that's more on me, maybe I should have been paying more attention, but the fact that I was able to miss it, and but, I mean, then John Cena jumped on that, and he said, oh, what's the exact line? It's called a promo, kid. If you know you want to get to the top, you better learn how to cut one. I think that was the line, because Roman didn't really know how to retaliate to that, simply because I don't think that's how Roman operates. Like we, we saw with John Cena when he took on The Rock, that John Cena was very good. We've seen plenty of other times too, but I think that's a good example. That John Cena is very good at thinking on his feet and very good at acting in that sink or swim way. Whereas Roman Reigns, I think, deals better not in that way. And obviously he was put in that situation to sink or swim. I don't think that he, he sunk as much as some people thought he did. I think that was a bit unfair, to be completely honest. Because I thought that in this segment, I mean, heel face, I don't even know if we can you know, have that conversation anymore. Because who knows? I don't know anymore. You don't know. I don't know what their plan is with Roman Reigns. I don't know whether they think Roman Reigns is a success or a failure. I really don't know. And I think at this point, that I, I don't think I'm ever going to know. And neither, neither will you as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you may do, but I very much doubt it. But the point being is that Roman Reigns, to me, still, when he, when he was delivering his lines and when he was getting a bit aggressive, when he was winding himself up, I still think that he came across... Uh, oh, what's my computer making noise? I still think he came across better. I'm trying to think of the right word. I can't think about it. But I still think he came across better than he had done previously. I don't, I don't necessarily feel like it was a it was a low point for him or anything like that and a lot of people like oh no roman reigns has been buried this is the end for roman reigns you know what's he gonna do he'll never get back from this he'll never recover i'm not necessarily sure that's what i took away from it so it, it's hard to me to watch that and I'm, I'm rambling a bit here but i just don't think it was that bad for roman reigns as a lot of people did think i do think it was a lot better for john cena I do think that John, uh, that John Cena, he's the master of that situation, though. That's where John Cena has always shone. You know, he's always been of the um, of of that ilk. So you could say, well, maybe this was setting up Roman Reigns to fail to, to begin with, anyway, because you're putting him against. You know, it's like taking a mediocre basketball player and throwing him in there with Michael Jordan. So when Michael Jordan is going to run rings around you. This is what he's good at, and that's what John Cena is good at. But I still think Roman Reigns showed bite. I think Roman Reigns showed spark. And although he was definitely on the losing end of the battle, I don't think there's any two, two ways about that. But I still believe he at least was able to come across more like the Roman Reigns that we assume Roman Reigns is 
as opposed to the weird version of Roman Reigns that, you know, especially a couple of years ago, we all hated. The real fallout, though, or the real measuring stick occurs depending what happens uh, at the pay-per-view, at No Mercy. Because if John Cena runs Roman Reigns down and says all of these things and I mean, basically, okay, let's go with the term buried because that's just how a lot of people saw it. But if Roman Reigns then wins and Roman Reigns can come out and roar and say, oh, the guy that said this and the guy that said that, blah, 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 I beat him. That's another one I beat. I beat Triple H. I beat The Undertaker. I retired The Undertaker. I've, I've headlined three WrestleManias, yada, yada, yada. Then I don't think it hurts Roman Reigns that much. If it's actually used to give the Roman Reigns character more momentum and allow him to throw it back in John Cena's face. Now, obviously, it depends how John Cena reacts to that because we've always seen John Cena coming out going, oh, I don't care, ooh, wrestling, ooh. And it's like, I, I, I'm not the, I actually don't mind that as much as other people mind that. But I understand that he probably needs to uh, not do that <laughs> from time to time simply because it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, you know, get over the fact that wrestling is real and we should... We should believe in wrestling. But I think that's the key. I don't necessarily think, even if you do think he was absolutely buried here, that it is the end. Uh, well, the end's not right. It's never the end for him. But I don't, know, I just don't think it was as bad as people think. And I think if the plan is for Roman Reigns to win, then that's okay. Do I think it's going to help the Roman Reigns experiment beating John Cena? Absolutely not. I don't think there's anything you could do right now. I mean, what could Roman Reigns possibly do to all of a sudden, uh, you know, get over with the crowd or... or, or you know, make them warm up to him. There's nothing, which is why I thought they chose him to retire The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, because I thought the whole point was we could use that to make him a mega heel, but I was wrong, so who knows what they think. But I like the segment a lot. I thought it was one of the best things I've seen on Raw in years because it felt real and it felt like off the cuff, even though it wasn't. I don't think it hurts Roman because I think he will learn from this going forward, and I think hopefully next time he does it, he'll be better, but also I just enjoyed it all round. And yeah, I just... I thought it was interesting, and I thought it created a talking point, and I think that's what's the most important thing in the world at the moment, is it gets, it gets people talking. And even if you do think that was just for people like you and I, well, that's all right. You can have those segments every now and then, because at the end of the day, even if you're a fan of a, of a more casual nature, and you don't really know what they're going on about, it's John Cena and Roman Reigns. You're going to think they're a big deal, because WWE has conditioned you to make you, you think they're a big deal. But the real thing I want to see is what happens when the no mercy comes. You know, cause look, if John Cena beats him and then Roman Reigns has to come out and eat humble pie, then he is going to look like an absolute idiot. Of course he's going to look like an idiot because you had all this stuff crapped over you and then you couldn't actually go and beat the guy that was crapping over you. And you could argue the other way as well. Well, surely if Roman Reigns wins, it makes John Cena look stupid because he's the guy that you know, said Roman Reigns was nothing. But I think there's something here. And it's certainly a match I want to see. I think that's the key as well is it's, I, do, I, am, I, I am excited about watching Roman Reigns and John Cena because I don't know how they're going to book it. I would much rather it was at WrestleMania because to me it feels like a WrestleMania match. I'd even maybe like it even more if the title was involved. Again, simply because I think adding those, uh, what do you call it, sort of little bits and in having a WrestleMania and all that stuff would just make it feel like a bigger deal. However... I am. I like this match. A lot of people they don't want to see it. I because it's just it's the two guys, right? I don't mean that in an ironic way. I mean it's the two people that see the company sees as as proper stars and who usually will be protected. I know John Cena's lost a lot, but I don't know. I don't know. I just 
I liked it, and I, I like to see where it's going to go, and I'm glad WWE has put these two together. If the plan is to do Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34, which I personally think is a mistake, because I just don't think there's any mystique there, and I, just, I don't believe that Roman Reigns is the right guy to, to beat Brock Lesnar. Not that I mind if he does. I'll get over it quite quickly. But at least they're doing this match now. And the fact that it's also headlined, or you'd assumed headlined, by Braun Strowman and, and Brock Lesnar, although there's every chance actually Reigns versus Lesnar headlines, it's just a great card. We've still got a good few weeks until, until we get to it. And to me, that's a, that's a great you know one-two punch main event. I can't imagine there are too many WWE fans that, that, that aren't looking forward to that. And it did cause a buzz. And I think that's really important in the world of pro wrestling these days. To get people talking is the most important thing in the world. I'll tell you what was dumb. We'll go into Raw a little bit. The fact that then the you know Gallows and Anderson came out and Roman Reigns and John Cena just decided to be a tag team. It's like, are you flipping kidding me? Are you flipping kidding me? Are you telling me that if I have a slagging match with someone and say things that are genuinely, obviously not genuinely, but are, are meant to come across as genuinely offensive and then a tag team comes out to insult us, I'm ever going to team with this other guy. This isn't a case of, uh, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. They just had this huge slacking match. I know that Roman Reigns was on the on the apron sort of, you know, laughing and, and being silly, which I did quite enjoy. I thought it was good. But then they worked together at the end by hitting their moves. <laughs> it's like, that was ridiculous. We didn't need to do that. That was unnecessary. And that just was ill. It was ill-conceived and it did take something away from the angle because that just wasn't realistic. There was no need to do it. I think the original plan was to have Samoa Joe versus uh, John Cena, but Samoa Joe is injured. It certainly seems like it's not a major injury, although all injuries suck, and he should be back in a few weeks. But, yeah, I, I that did take something away from the angle, because if I meant to believe this was, especially when I meant to believe this wasn't scripted and these guys are shooting from the hip and all of that, to all of a sudden then put them in a tag match just you know slams me back to reality. And I, that's absolutely ridiculous. What did you do that for? So, I mean, that was Raw and SmackDown in general. I mean, SmackDown, we had uh, Randy Orton, RKO, RKO um, Shinsuke Nakamura to set them up for a number one contender match next week. In any other era, that would have meant he'd gone, he'd gone heel. But in 2017, it's just a way to set up a match. And nothing else really happened on SmackDown. And nothing really else happened on Raw as well. Okay, they were very, very by-the-numbers show as we kind of try to eke through another week to... It's to no mercy but I did it there are small things that I enjoy like I enjoy the fact that WWE didn't feel the need to have Braun Strowman on the show because you don't feel the need I get it's not fair for the fans in the arena that night they're going to feel a bit disappointed like oh I wanted I wanted to see Braun Strowman I can completely understand that but to me it's better to keep these people off TV if you've got nothing for them just because it makes it more exciting when they are on there you don't run them into the ground you don't you know, you keep them special, and Braun Strowman needs to be kept special. And that, to me, you know, why why have him in, in a squash match? He doesn't need to squash guys anymore. He's a superstar now. He's a main event guy. We've completely bought into him. So you should treat him like that. So Brock Lesnar's on last week. We had Braun on this on this week's. Perfect. That works absolutely fine. And yeah, if you're in that town, you're like it sucks. We didn't get to see Braun Strowman, but I think it helps his character going forward, and and, and in the long run. Other than that. I enjoyed Jeff Hardy winning the Battle Royal and becoming the number one contender. I like the Hardy boys. I still think they've got a lot of legs in them. Jeff Hardy you know, just gets over by magic, it seems. People love what he does. Apparently, that match is happening on Raw, though. They also announced that there is a Big Show versus Braun Strowman cage match main eventing Raw. Now, why they couldn't have announced that on Raw last week is beyond me, probably because it wasn't booked. But that is the kind of stuff that you should be, you should be talking about. But what do they do there? Like what? What do you do there? What is the plan? 
Because I don't understand what the plan is in that sense at all. I mean, does it matter if Big Show loses anymore? No, no one cares about that. The Big Show's lost so many times, it means nothing. I mean, if Braun Strowman absolutely annihilates him, then sure, it probably help. It probably helped Brock Lesnar, uh, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman a little bit. But Braun Strowman versus the Big Show in a cage with no build. It just seems pointless to me. It just seems like a, a real strange thing to just to just throw out out of nowhere. I don't get it. But hey, it will be good. I'm sure we'll all enjoy it. It is what it is, I guess. I guess it's just another way to get through another week. But I, I, when I saw it on Twitter of all things, I was like, that's a very strange thing just to throw out there. But then I guess you could look at it like the two main events next week are great. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Randy Orton could be a pay-per-view match. And yes, done rightly, the Big Show versus Braun Strowman in a cage could be a pay-per-view match. So we'll see what happens with the ratings. Subject to ratings, Raw dropped a little bit this week, I believe, but held steady mostly. And SmackDown did go down, but again, it wasn't anything serious. So I, I don't think I don't think it's doom and gloom. I do believe the football season starts tomorrow, so that will be very interesting to see how how the ratings hold up in terms of Raw. And Raw is a good show at the moment. It certainly does have momentum. I do enjoy it. You know, I do think it's an easier three hours than it has been in a very long time. But with that said, you know, football is going to hurt it depending on what they do. I'm I, Hopefully this Jeff Hardy Miz program gets given some, some good time. If we can start heating up the IC Championship again, I think that would be good. Uh, the, the tag team title was actually quite excited about because I'm enjoying all the stuff with Sheamus and Cesaro and Ambrose and Rollins. Thought the segment on Raw was bizarre because you know they were out there for about 45 minutes total, and it was just it was just strange. But they have done a good job in making that feel important, so that's a plus. Um, and then obviously Cruiserweight 205 Live is 205 Live. We've got Enzo versus Neville now. I mean, it's fine, I guess, to a certain extent. I don't really care about it. I mean, I, I do care. I do think putting Enzo on there is a good idea because he has star power and he does add something to Raw. But, that's a Raw, to 205 Live. But you're not going to get the matches you expect and whether or not it's actually enough to change it around completely is anybody's guess. But it, it's better than floundering on Raw and it sucks that Cass got injured. We had loads of injuries this week. And that seems to be a current theme at the moment. Obviously, Samoa Joe went out. I think that was a knee. Xavier Woods went out. That was a knee. Cass was a knee as well, right? To his ACL or whatever it was. There's a lot of knee injuries in WWE, which is strange. Obviously, Seth Rollins was out with his knee. That's, you know, that's strange, but hopefully, hopefully none of them are too bad. And, and we'll see and we'll see what we get to from here. The highlight of the week, most definitely, aside from the Battle of the Battle of Los Angeles, which is the PWE uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Show, if you don't know, which uh, I would highly recommend everybody goes out of their way to uh, goes out of their way to see. It sounds a bit weird. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but from everything I've read and from what I remember last year, I certainly, if you, you know, if you're not on the bowler bandwagon, this is the, the best time, the best time to do it. But also the, um, the, you know, the best news of the week was that Ric Flair is going to be okay. I mean, he's aged a lot because of the ordeal he's been through. I don't know if anyone, everyone saw the video he put out on Twitter, but yeah, that is a man that has been through a lot and he has been through a lot. But the fact that he's still standing is incredible. So it certainly seems like he's out of the woods. I mean, I don't know that for sure, touch wood, but I certainly know that when he was struggling and there were all these reports that, you know, he, there was a potential he could pass away, that's someone that, you know, it's, obviously, I don't like taking away the grief <laughs> from the actual families when, when famous people or, or people in kind of public eye pass away because I always think it's a bit unfair. But Ric Flair would be, I think, something that would speak to a lot of people, even people that don't watch wrestling anymore just because of the impact he had, you know, how long his career has been. 
like I said, the influence, the fact that many consider him the greatest of all time. Someone like that passing away is a huge deal. And it wouldn't just be in the pro wrestling community. Like, I totally believe that Flair made a, a big enough of a mark that that would get, you know, the mainstream media would, would absolutely uh, pick up on that. I know people like TMZ did for his illness, but I think his death would go even further than that. I'd even imagine something like BBC would run something. I can, I can perfectly believe he has enough. I mean, not to, he, he was never a Hulk Hogan in terms of crossover appeal, but I do think just through longevity and uh, just just how good he was, I do think he has that he has that potential. But at the moment, it looks like he's out of the woods and he's going to be okay. So that's wonderful news, and that and that made me happy. And other news that may have made a lot of other people happy and smile is that yeah, JBL quit or certainly has, has walked away from his his role as a SmackDown color commentator. I don't think too many people are going to be upset by that. Uh, he's burnt a lot of bridges in his time, has old JBL. And to be honest, I think it freshens up the booth. I know she came out on Twitter and said she wouldn't want to do this. I would put Renee, Renee Young in that spot, uh, not just because she's a, because she's a lady and uh, you know, not, not because I feel like we need to make sure there's a balance or anything like that. It's because I think she'd be really good at it after a while. And while she was the first one to say that she didn't think she was very good uh, in terms of when she was on NXT, I think given more time in the role, let her develop, let her grow, I totally believe that she could be good. So I would do that. Or I'd bring up Nigel McGuinness. Uh, I mean, I don't think Mara Ronaldo can go back there just through all the controversy that happened before. But it could happen. It could happen. There's nothing to stop that happening. I don't think many people would mind if Mauro Ronaldo went back, especially as he just called, uh, what's it called? Uh, Mayweather McGregor. So his stock right now is higher than ever. I just think people would raise too much of an eyebrow, especially if JBL leaves and he comes in. Nah, that seems a bit strange to me. But yeah, he's gone, which I, I don't mind at all. I think he'd, I think he'd kind of, he'd kind of peaked a few years ago and never really found the footing he hit what he once had. It's probably more than a few years ago now. I think JBL has been there a long time. I don't even know. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna think about it. Uh, overthink it and stuff. And that's kind of everything that happened in WWE this week. I don't think I've missed anything. As always, I'm always worried something huge happened and I just had some, you know, some mental breakdown and forgot about it. But again, Raw and SmackDown, yeah. And a lot of people were raving about NXT this week, which I watched. Again, I thought it was okay. I do like the fact they're introducing all these new uh, these these new characters. Like I'm talking about Adam Cole and and Bobby Fish and everything like that. Big fan of the way they dealt with Oscar. I can't remember if we talked about that last week. You probably did. But I'm a big fan of what they did with Oscar, and they've um, you know basically used it. This may have been the plan anyway, but you know I don't know if that's true or not. But to uh, you know to use her injury to to fuel a storyline was very smart, and I'm I, I'm I'm more than up for you know her you know coming in in October or whenever it would be once she recovers and still being able to run amok as the you know I was the girl that never you know never never got beaten on for my title I gave up my title so who the hell can beat me now I think it's great I think it's, it's a great way to do it I think book rightly and obviously everything with Bailey kind of proves that <laughs> you never know how they're going to book on the main roster however I do think book rightly she will do very well and I think she could actually be uh, be uh, have a huge impact, especially because I think that she was wasn't she one of the people that was told, "Look, you're not actually on our, in our plans to be called up. We kind of want you more for NXT, but as always, the situation evolves and it just happens anyway. Because why wouldn't it? You know, you need depth in the women's division. She's arguably the best woman you've got. Why the hell would you keep her in NXT? Nothing wrong with NXT, but you want to put her on the big stage." So we'll see what happens. We should. I guess I have skipped over the fact that 
Sasha Banks lost her title. That was this week, right? The Sasha Banks lost her title. Now I'm confusing myself. Maybe it was the week before. Either way, we should talk about the hot shot of the titles. Even if we did talk about it last week, we should talk about it again. The way that within the last two or weeks or seven days, whatever it was, we had the uh, we had the we definitely talked about the cruiserweight division title jumping around last last week because it was the the post SummerSlam show. But now I'm second guessing when the women's title changed hands. But either way, apparently there is some uh, you know it's just from remit backstage at the moment from Vince Vince McMahon who like I just told you who Vince McMahon is like Vince who's Vince apparently that's his new thing. At the moment, he thinks hot shotting titles around is good for TV ratings, good for business, keeps things interesting. Not 100% sure that I agree with that, simply because does the women's title now feel more important than it did a year ago? I don't necessarily think so. A small part of that is because Charlotte moved to SmackDown. I do think Charlotte has serious star power and, and makes the title feel, feel more important when she's got around it. But I think having I think Sasha Banks' total title reigns don't even equate to 100 days. And she's been champion for, for four times. That something there doesn't add up. No, no, that's not fair. It's not that it doesn't add up, but it doesn't allow her to become the champion. I'm sure that she wants to be. And she went on Sam Wrestling, uh, Sam Wrestling, Sam Roberts Wrestling podcast this week, and she said that. You know, she essentially said that she's like, I want to, I want to hold on to this title and prove pe- prove people what I can do, and I'm not being allowed to do that because I keep losing the losing the title so quickly. And. I think there's something in that. I think if somebody has multiple multiple title reigns, keeps losing them, it not only waters down the title, but it waters down your opinion on them with the title and whether you actually start believing they should hold this title because when they are champion, it doesn't feel like they're a champion. And only holding a belt for two weeks or three weeks or something like that is going to wear that down. I was watching SummerSlam uh, 97, which if you've never seen, you should definitely go and see because it's one of the best shows ever. And, you know, when Bret, well, Bret Hart wins his fifth world title, his fifth world title, and that really means something, and he'd been wrestling for, you know, 20 years or whatever at that point, that really put it in perspective. And I remember when uh, uh, when Hogan, Hogan was only a five-time champion, you know? It, it, it's only been in recent years that these, uh, these um, you know, super sort of super huge title reigns have come. Because that was always Ric Flair's big thing, right? You know, 16-time world champion. It was like, Wow. But it wasn't. It wasn't a done. You know, not everybody was doing that. It just happened. It happened for him, and everyone else had you know long but short numbered title reigns. So the fact she's up to that already is. If they do it with the women's title a lot, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't necessarily think it helps. I don't think it pops a rating. I mean, it probably makes a live crowd get quite excited, thinking, "Oh, maybe we'll see a change here." Because we saw one last week, or we know that this so and so only held it for a couple of weeks, but. I think a long title reign just works, which is why it was dumb to take it off Neville. You know, Neville had been champion for eight months, and he lost it to, to Zauer on one night, then he won it straight back. It's like, well, what benefit did that do to Neville? If anything, if you missed a week's worth of TV, you wouldn't even know. So what was the point? It didn't attract any more viewers. It wasn't good to share online because the title no one cares about anyway. But surely if you keep it on Neville and, and make it a big deal and make it long term, then he's going to start feeling like a bigger deal. So that was strange. But I guess that's Vince McMahon, right? Apparently, he sits backstage and he just makes things up as he goes along, which why he can. As his company, you better damn well believe if I owned a company, I'd be like that. But I don't you tell me what to do. I want to do this crazy thing. It's my company. I put billions of dollars into this. And therefore, you know, that's what's going to happen. But we'll see what happens going forward from here. Another thing I did want to touch upon. Uh, when we did the Q&A last week, a lot of people asked about Luke Harper, which I think is fair. 
Because Luke Harper has vanished from WWE TV recently. I think Eric Rowan's gone because he's injured. Luke Harper, I don't believe, is injured, and he's still working the house show circuit. And a lot of questions were what's happening with Luke Harper. You know, what should... Uh, uh, you know, what, what should WWE do with Luke Harper? Where is he? Yada, yada, yada. And my my big takeaway with Luke Harper, and it was kind of summed up better by Edge and and, and Edge and Christian on their podcast, is that he, he is somebody that in many ways has the attributes to, you know, to have a WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. And I do think that's the case. He's a really tall dude. And he's got an interesting look and an interesting gimmick. But the big thing with Luke Harper is that he's awesome. <laughs> if you watch him, especially in his independent days, or you can kind of just watch a, an average um, uh, WWE match to see how he moves and how he does this and how he does that, Luke Harper should be one of those guys that's on the top of most people's lists when it comes to you know dudes that aren't being pushed. And I can't work out, did he do something? Did he say something? Because after he first, well, not first, whenever he broke up with the Wyatt family last time, it did certainly seem like there was something there. Like he had that mini feud with Orton and he was in some main events. He was obviously in the match where Jinder Hall won to become number one contender and nobody could believe it. And now he's just persona non grata. And it's like, why? <laughs> why is that the case? And I don't have an answer because he's he's awesome. And he's tall. If he wasn't tall, I wouldn't be so surprised. I wouldn't be so surprised simply because I, I get it. WWE's mantra, or at least something they warm towards, is always tall dudes. Hence Baron Corbin, who we'll also get to in a second. But with Luke Harper, he is. He's like 6'7 or something. He can work. He's got an interesting gimmick. He knows what he's doing. As of late, he's, he's kind of shredded up a little bit. Uh, you know, So he's got more of a WWE look. And yet he's just not doing anything with him. And I don't... Okay, maybe they, there's no plans for him in creative at the moment, which, okay, like, fair enough. But give him something. You know, give him, give him, give him, give him something. Because if you don't give him something, it just seems... That, that to me is like... I mean, this is a bit this is a bit much. But that to me is the equivalent of, well, why, why, why did we ever give Stone Cold Steve Austin something? Not that, because Stone Cold Steve Austin obviously was amazing. But... Luke Harper definitely has something. 100% Luke, start, uh, Luke Harper has something. Like He has the talent and the skills to go all the way should he want to. So why would, he, why would you sit there in the back of, 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 in a creative meeting and just ignore that fact? And go, ah, we don't, Luke Harper, we haven't got anything right now. Surely it should be a case of, no, 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 come up with something for Luke Harper because Luke Harper's really good. So that's what I get confused about, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not privy to any kind of insider information or anything like that. But I would. I would like to see him back on TV. I would like to see him put on a proper main event run. To be honest, I think he's got the chops. We've never even been allowed to. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, hear him cut a promo. Don't know why I stumbled over my words so much there. I think a fly took my attention. But we never, we never really got him to cut a program because of a promo because of the the gimmick that he had. But you know, from what I've seen outside of WWE, he's more than capable of doing it. So it's really strange all around the the, the relationship of Luke Harper and the WWE. Apparently, mean, he's got a great job, and you know, he's in the public eye, and he's he's a professional wrestler. So I'm sure he's very very happy. I'm not saying that. I just can't understand why someone with all those tools isn't being used better because I would certainly you he's not he's not he's not a he's not a spring chicken either he's I think he's 34 35 maybe maybe even a bit older sort of coming towards his 40s in that bracket sort of mid to late mid to late 30s so the time to do something with him is now 
I'd rather see him on TV than Bray Wyatt at the moment. No offense to Bray Wyatt. I'm not, well, I just don't like him at the moment. But you know, I certainly certainly would prefer to see to see Luke Harper being used. Uh, but yeah, Baron Corbin as well. As you know, Baron Corbin went from uh, from the man to becoming garbage. Apparently, the reason is, and this is all rumor and speculation. We all thought, or at least there was a, a, the hint, that the reason he got this treatment was because he was slagging people off on social media and doing it in a way that WWE thought wasn't cool. Which is strange, given he's meant to be a heel, and surely on social media he should be playing that character and winding people up. Apparently, that isn't the case. Apparently there was some form of backstage meeting about CTE, which is the concussion uh, concussion testing, if you don't know. And they were being told about it in whatever fashion. And Baron Corbin, who used to be a professional athlete, took almost offense to this, it reads like, and stood up in front of everyone and said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know about concussions and CTE. And that obviously created animosity and atmosphere in the locker room. And surprise, surprise, that all fell down on Baron Corbin, because it, of course it would. You can't say that kind of stuff if you're in a, if you're in a, it's, look, WWE's still a job at the end of the day. If you were in some meeting at your work and someone said something you didn't like and you shut your hand up, when I disagree with that, that's probably not as good as waiting until the meeting is over, waiting until you're in a one-on-one scenario and just having a conversation with that person and, and letting your feelings be known because they're going to respect you more and it's not going to have any kind of you know negative negative impacts. But it certainly seems like it has for Corbin. It certainly sounds like he said things he shouldn't have said. He rubbed a few people up the wrong way. And now, you know, now he's just the guy on SmackDown that even Natalia insults when she's talking about her briefcase. And I think the question that needs to be asked is, when this kind of stuff happens backstage, is it in the best or the worst of the fans' interest to... I mean, shouldn't this be something that's handled backstage? We, I mean, we may know about it if we're into dirt sheets and, and resting rumors and stuff like that. But should it affect his on-screen character, which, you know, there may be momentum and things that people are buying into? Because I don't necessarily think it does. I think if you're onto something and the fans... Look, like Enzo. Enzo seems to almost circumvent that to a little bit. Because Enzo Amore obviously apparently has nuclear heat backstage. Everybody hates him. He winds everybody up. He's a loudmouth and he's arrogant or so, you know, as the word goes. And yet, even though he's been moved to 205 Live, which again you could see as a demotion, he's still being put into a top position. But also he carries himself, or at least his promos and the way he is, kind of allows him to get by more than someone that doesn't do that. So you you know you do start kind of wondering, you know what's what what's what's fair for one person and what's fair for another person. Anyway, that's a bit of a ramble there. I just I really I, I would put I mean could Luke Harper and Eric Rowan be the people that are attacking Breezango? I think you've got two realistic options. I think you've got Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, who while they're essentially the tag team, I don't think should come back as as anything like that. I think they should come up with new games and don't even say, oh, we used to be these people, now we're new people. Don't do that. Just come up with a new name and let people get used to it. Or bring someone up from NXT. That's your other option. They're your two options. Uh, but I, I I think I'd rather see Luke Harper in a singles run at this point. But if you're not going to do anything sort of proper with him, then don't do that. I'd love to see him in the US title picture. I really, really would. I know AJ Styles and Baron Corbin have got that locked up for now, but... AJ Styles versus Luke Harper, I think, could be a match that would surprise a lot of people. Luke Harper is a lot better than people realize. That's all I'll say. But we'll have to, uh, we'll have to wait and see what goes down, what goes down with that. But it seems nuts to me. Like the roster's lacking in depth. The roster is lacking in depth, and we don't bring in, we don't bring in, we don't bring in Luke Harper. I mean, maybe they do have plans. Maybe it is going to be him that. You know, maybe the reason he hasn't been on TV is because he's meant to be the person that has attacked Brizango. Because we keep elongating those segments. We can't do anything until that happens. So that makes sense. So we'll, so we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what see what happens. 
Going forward then, I mean, what do we have next week? We've got, um, I mean, we'll have the fallout from the Battle of Los Angeles, which is good. You should watch it. It's a lot of fun. It's just just crazy, crazy wrestling and people trying to kill themselves. But it is a lot of fun to watch. We've got Raw on Monday. Like I say, headlined by Braun Strowman and Big Show in a cage. Again, I kind of can see WWE just sort of falling through that episode to get to next week where they'll kick things off again. And Nakamura versus Shinsuke, uh, Nakamura versus Shinsuke, Nakamura versus Randy Orton on SmackDown will be interesting. I would imagine Rusev gets involved because you have to keep the Randy Orton-Rusev program going after you beat him in six seconds or nine seconds or whatever it was at SummerSlam. There has to be, we have to get at least a proper match. Even if they make Rusev lose again, I need to see those two people have a proper match. The real thing then is you get Shinsuke versus Jinder. Jinder has to lose that match. If Nakamura loses his second world title match to Jinder Mahal, who is not an over-champion, is not as popular as, as he, you could argue that he should be by this stage, I mean, maybe not, maybe so, then I really do think it's time to, to rethink the Jinder Mahal thing. It, it hasn't hurt ratings, to be fair. It hasn't hurt SmackDown, to be fair. But I would say it's made the belt feel a little bit less important than it has. I don't blame Jinder for that. He was a jobber, put in a position to be a champion. He wasn't built. It's not his fault. But I do think it's hurt it a little bit, whereas someone like AJ Styles, for example, has made the US title feel awesome. And again, while I'm not massively excited about Baron Corbin versus AJ Styles, I'm excited for AJ Styles So yeah, as, a, as a performer, so that's okay. Just before we wrap up as well, I'm perfectly all right with Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. I understand that Shane McMahon standing up to wrestlers in context is silly because you're like, why is a wrestler backing down from a non-wrestler. But Shane McMahon is always going to be treated like a star. Furthermore, if you have a good match with Shane McMahon, he's going to be your buddy. He's going to put in good words for you through his dad, who's booking the damn thing, and you're going to be okay. So I've got no problem with Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon going at it, as long as Shane McMahon is treated in the same way that he was against The Undertaker and the same way he was against AJ Styles. One match, Shane McMahon loses. My biggest worry with Kevin Owens is I actually think they may have him lose because he's a heel and they think that he can. When he fought The Undertaker and AJ Styles, they were both very much faces. Maybe not. I mean, AJ Styles technically wasn't in the Shane McMahon feud, but he was. You know, it's one of those, like, of course he was. Everyone loves him. They think he's great. Kevin Owens is without a doubt a super heel. Uh, I know we all love him, but I still think people see him in a different way. And him losing to Shane McMahon, even by, you know, silly means, would be a bad move. And that's all I'll say about that. But we'll see. Look, No Mercy shaping up to be a great card. I think it's Hell in a Cell, the SmackDown pay-per-view after that. That will be great as long as they don't overdo the stipulation, which they always do. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But yeah, very boring week in pro wrestling, I'd say, all in all. I know there were certain news stories that came out that we could talk about and, you know, and, and debate and argue, like, you know, JBL leaving commentary and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think overall... Nothing really super big happened. But there was some nice news, such as Ric Flair. And I guess JBL leaving his nice news from him, from some other people, some other people as well. We could talk about the Sexy Star stuff. If you don't know about that, a Triple A show went down and, and basically Sexy Star, who's a women's wrestler, decided to shoot on, uh, I can't remember her name now. She literally just escaped me. What's her name? Not Jessica. That's not right. Anyway, she decided to, uh, she decided to shoot I hate that term, shoot, like I know what I'm talking about. But she decided, it certainly seems like she felt like she was being roughed up. So when she uh, when she was given the arm of, um, why can't I remember this woman's name? Oh, so many people out there now are getting mad at me. She's in GFW. I'm so sorry. I can't remember. But anyway, her opponent will say for now 
when she was given her given her arm to put her in the armbar, Sexy Star basically put her in an armbar and hurt her, I think it was her shoulder or her elbow or something. And you just do not do that in pro wrestling. Like, obviously, I'm not any kind of authority on the subject, and I, I understand that. But at the same time, you just you just don't do it. Like it's just it is disrespectful. If you've got it's the same with anything. It's the same with anything. If you if I say, hey, jump off that chair and I'm gonna catch you, and I just let you crash down on the ground, I'm a massive tool bag. And it's the same thing if you're in the ring with someone in wrestling. Wrestling where you you know, you 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 totally believe that you know the person has well, you may not even be friends, but you believe they have your best interests at heart when it comes to health. And then they try and break your arm. That's a terrifying situation to be in because if they can do that, what else can they do? And how much are you going to be able to trust them or anybody else going forward? And I think um, I think that sucks. Slightly shorter episode this week just because, A, not a lot went on and it was, again, another, another crazy week. But I wanted to bust a, a podcast out to make sure we keep this momentum going. Uh, next week, I'm hoping Raw and SmackDown will be a bit more interesting so we can break those down and, and talk about those. Uh, if you've ever got a question, make sure you ask it to me at Simon316, and I'll definitely collate all of them and ask, answer them on a future podcast. Again, if you want to keep these podcasts alive, please go to patreon.com for Simon316 and donate. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, all of that. Again, Twitter at Simon316. YouTube channel, search for the Miller Report rules. Uh, and make sure you go to Facebook. Everyone join the Facebook group. Join Mitch's league. Make his life so hard because so many people have signed up for it and we'll have to get somebody else to help him out. That would be wonderful. But thank you very much for listening to my uh, my voice the last 40 minutes, however, however long it's been. And yeah, like I say, we're going to drop every Saturday. We're going to keep rocking and rolling. And just have a good week, really. Have a good week. Try and enjoy wrestling as much as you can because when you sit back, switch off, and enjoy wrestling as much as you can... Everything's just a little bit better.